Are you ready? Oh, yeah! Let me tell you something, brother. If you're looking for the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be in the podcasting universe, then look no further than Ring the Bell, bringing you the best in the world at what we do. And what we do is take over the world of wrestling reviews, baby. Now, ring the bell. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Ring the Bell. And as we sit here in UK time of 5.26 in the morning, we are mere minutes after the conclusion, the shocking conclusion of SummerSlam 2021. And we are going to give immediate thoughts. We haven't slept for probably about 24 hours now. We're going to give you immediate thoughts on the moment, in the moment. And what we just witnessed. Who is this we that we're talking about? I, oh, of course, am host Andy Wiven once again. For the first time in a long time. It's Ed Price. Why am I here? Why are you here? Who, who made me watch wrestling? Like We, we thought we'd punish ourselves. <laughs> yeah, By watching much. a show that somehow, despite being at just over four hours, felt longer than a seven-hour WrestleMania. God, it felt like all of my last relationships like rolled into one. Like... So this will either be a somewhat coherent slash incoherent podcast based on two people with not a lot of sleep in the last day giving you immediate thoughts or this would be part one of a two-part podcast with this part being the incoherent thoughts and a second part being the more coherent thoughts. Well, it's the Charles Dickens tale of two cities but it's like a tale of like two like states of inebriation like I'm drunk now but like in the morning I'll be sober and I'll give you different opinions compared to how I felt in the morning. So like, yeah. How I feel in the morning when I have had time to sleep on it will be different to how I feel now immediately afterwards. So, Andrew, immediate thoughts about SummerSlam. Like, on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate it? Immediate gut reaction. 7. 7. That's generous. Like, I think since I started watching again in 2015, this is probably the worst SummerSlam I've watched. Um, which is pretty bold considering that like obviously last year there was the isolation one where like nobody was about but yeah it was just a very difficult SummerSlam like it feels like after Money in the Bank where they meet like I think the best way to put it is like with Money in the Bank there was a lot of spots they were clearly saving up until they could be in front of a crowd again. Like, you had the Uso spots in the Mysterios match. You had, like, so many amazing spots in the ladder match. But watching SummerSlam, it just kind of felt like business was back to normal again, but not in, like, a fun way where it was like, oh, we finally got crowds again, we can do whatever. It just felt like a... If there were screens instead of people, I would not have been able to tell this from a Thunderdome. We spent, we had a lot of reports and a lot of time hearing these things about how the company were holding back on surprises and, and angles and and moves and set pieces and things because they didn't want to waste it in a in a Thunderdome setting. And yet, as you said, after Money in the Bank's been and gone, it feels like everything that was saved up has pretty much already been used. So now we are back to the status quo. We are back to the norm of WWE, except the only difference is there are now fans who bless them want to enjoy it and they want to love what they're seeing but aren't necessarily getting what they thought they would get or what they want yeah and it's it's just a difficult show in the terms of we got a lot of big surprises tonight but like wwe sometimes has a really good sense of pacing sometimes it doesn't and my immediate gut reaction is that there was a there were a few things that they could have paced out a bit more and they didn't. Yeah, that they like for example, and we're going to probably go all over the place until we actually go through the the, the list, the match listing and center. For example, Goldberg and Lashley being second from the top, I don't think needed to be in there considering the story that they told in that match. That needed to be a very early match. Yes, I I feel like having that as like the penultimate match, it makes sense in the terms of like if you're trying to do the hierarchy of like the WWE Championship versus the Universal Championship you want them side by side but like watching that match that was a difficult watch like yeah I struggled with it and as much as you can say they develop things as 
So I remember watching the Brock Lesnar Goldberg match from like 2016 Survivor Series where like Goldberg squashed Brock and his son came out and his son was like doing the whole patting his belly like um, the character in the Goonies Mm -hmm. whose name I can't remember at this particular moment and now his son is like he's suddenly grown like three foot taller and thinner and like Jesus, what is that kid's regimen? Because I want it. But, like, watching, like... So it's like I said to you beforehand, in terms of, like, the Goldberg-Bobby Lashley match, it was going to go one of three ways. It was going to be a 20-minute match, which no one was happy with, which we knew was never going to happen. It was going to be a Drew McIntyre-style fight, or, like, the Braun Strowman fight from last year. It was a finisher spam. Or Bobby was going to eventually win... And humiliate Goldberg in front of his son. And his son was going to do like a whole thing. And there's going to be a whole thing around that. And like we got the latter most. Which is probably good in terms of long term storytelling. But just in terms of the actual match itself. Kind of felt a bit redundant on the SummerSlam. When it could have been at any other pay-per-view. Yeah it as you said we kind of there were three outcomes we we could have got with a match and i think there was the outcome we all hoped we would get and that definitely wasn't the outcome that that we thought we would get to, to the point where it it gives me fear that there could be a continuation of that story somewhere down the line with an outcome that is not one that many people are going to want but technically actually does pay off what we saw tonight in a way that a lot of wrestling angles in the past have gone in terms of revenge and ultimate redemption retribution yeah and like also in terms of like short-term storytelling like obviously we got brock lesnar returning which was probably the pop of the night for all of us Mm -hmm. but that also just leaves the question of where does big e go like it was a difficult thing of like so money in the bank was probably the pay-per-view of the year in my opinion but when you watch it back and when you watch where it's gone now like, we've now got Roman versus Brock, which is going to be the big thing for the next few months. So does Big E hold on to the money in the bank for a while until that's dealt with? Does he go on to Raw and he has that really built story with Kofi Kingston? But, yeah. Um, obviously, I, I mean, I've just cut to it, but, like, the big pop of the night, Roman, like, Brock came out after the Roman match. How so... do you feel about that? As a as a long-standing, uh, very open Brock Mark to an extent, I love seeing him come back. The it's, it's a proper full-on babyface Brock for the first time since the early two thousands before he left. Mm. He's he's solid. He's not one of these. I will cheer him because we we like when he beats people up and ruins cars. It was just a genuine proper babyface. He's mugging for the fans. He's actually raising his arms and stuff. He come back with the ponytail butcher look that we've seen online recently, and he come back in magnificent condition compared to how we've seen him in the past, where he has looked a little soft or a little bit sort of bloated mm. in the wrong areas. He looks like he's been working out a lot on that farm since he last was seen, somewhat eighteen months ago. Yeah, and I remember like around Money in the Bank time when we were all discussing in our group chat, like we want to see Brock come back, and we were just like, boom, Brock. Boombox Brock was like, you know, peak Brock. We all wanted to see him come back. Like, it's been exactly long enough. It's as Jim Cornette used to say. If you can't, if you don't go away, how are we ever going to miss you? Yes. And that's exactly where it is with Brock right now. Like, he's come back and we're hyped for it. And, like, I know it's going to be like Roman versus Brock for, like, the seventh or eighth time, which is, like... But it's got a new dynamic now because you've not you've now not got Roman the babyface who's been shoved down the throat. You've got Roman the big bad heel who has beaten every comer clean, and you've mm. now got this vengeful. Well, clean is a subjective term considering the Uso interferences. Okay, clean. Majority Cena, for example, was yeah. completely clean. Just Cena was win. clean. Yes, that was the only clean victory he's had in like the last year, to be honest. Okay, so he's at dominating wins, and should we say? Yeah. So he's at dominating wins against. This every major star on SmackDown in the last year since he won that championship from the Fiend and well, technically the Fiend pinned and drawn at Payback last year, almost a year to the day. So you've got now the few, the immediate future you have to think is obviously Brock versus Roman. That's that's the immediate. 
with all the talk we've heard about The Rock coming back soon. Finn Balor, who of course was supposed to have this match tonight, but lost it when Cena stole the contract and the shot. Where does he fit in? Is he even going to be fitting in? So SmackDown's kind of building up. I look at Big E, who is a SmackDown superstar, but is holding money in the bank. Now, does that... I still maintain that the story for me is Big E going over to Raw because the the money in the bank, obviously where it was only one brand and it was a, a an inter a, a interpromotional uh, ladder match at Money in the Bank, he can choose what title he goes for. Now Lashley has destroyed Kofi, he has destroyed Woods, so it would make sense for Biggie to go over and stand up for his New Day compatriots by stepping up to Lashley. If Goldberg is now done, and it would appear he is, and he's not going to come back looking for revenge at a Saudi Arabia show, for example, which was announced tonight, I think Crown Jewel, um, Lashley versus Big E, for me, is the immediate future for maybe the rest of the year, chasing, 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 eventually cashing in, or they just pull the trigger at some point. We have to also remember Survivor Series, where traditionally we do get champion versus champion. Last year, of course, you had Roman, uh, you had Drew win the title back from Orton the week before because they didn't want to go with Brock, uh, they didn't want to go with Roman Orton again. This year, Roman, do you see Roman Lashley? Or would they want Roman Big E? Is Roman Lashley, which is the first time ever match as fuck from Roman Arkham. Lashley, and also you get Spear versus Spear, which is what they were sort of building with Goldberg, but they never really followed through on. But Roman, you think, is going to win because Roman doesn't lose. So, and unless Roman drops the belt soon and you get Brock versus Lashley at Survivor Series, but you don't waste that on the champion versus champion completely irrelevant match which really has no bearing on anything I kind of think you do in a way though because like Lashley's wanted like the Brock match for ages but like what is the best way to have that match is where there's no stakes whether you win or lose so they've unless they forget the champion versus champion element this year for at least the, for the main event for, for the Romans and the Lashley's or the Brock's the questions are going to come out you know is Brock back, back on a more permanent basis is he going back at least more regular than no, then, then he was before. You would How have many to... contracts had to be like released until they were able to afford Brock? You you ask, is this a reactionary move to CM Punk's debut a couple of nights ago on on? I don't on think AEW. anything's a reaction to CM Punk. Like Vince said recently that he doesn't view AEW as competition. That's fair. I fully believe that. So in like... which case, Brock has always been the plan to bring him back either now or in this time window. Like, if you know what I mean, if they were planning to, like, have revenge on AEW, like, commentary would have said something. And the fact that commentary won't even acknowledge that AEW exists is, like, a very good indicator of the fact that, like, they do not care. Whereas back in the day, they were mentioned WSW, they were making digs at WSW, yeah. and that would suggest that that was competition. You had the Nacho Man. Yes, and, as like... Vince has said, Vince did consider WSW competition. That's why he was digging at them on TV and getting his commentary team to dig at them. So you would think then that, yes, that would mean in his mind, AEW is not competition at this point. Uh, whether he privately admits it or not, I don't know. So in which case, Brock coming back has always been the plan. They found the magic figure. Can they get him to work more shows? Is he back on a more semi-permanent basis regarding working TV shows? Um, to build up to that match so we get to see Roman and, and Brock face to face on more regular weekly well, shows. Well I don't, I don't just think it's a case of finding the magic figure I think that like Vince and Brock always have an understanding and as I mentioned earlier as Jim Connett said how am I going to miss you if you don't go away like Brock is one of those characters who can disappear, he can come back, he can reinvent himself he doesn't have to this time around, he has a different look. And whether he wrestles different, whether he like has a different attitude, there is already a different intrigue in the fact that he has come back in a realm where Paul Heyman has been with Roman for the last year and Brock no longer has Paul Heyman. Whether it ends up in like a, John, these feelings that you're feeling, they're natural feelings that you feel when you feel the feelings... Or whether it turns out to be something completely different. Does he get someone else in? Does he get, like, you know, anyone's capable of, of a promo? Like, and we've already got that uh, ready built set, you know, drama of does Paul stick with Roman? Does he go back to Brock? Because we had that in the past, like 15, 16 years ago, with the big show drama. 
where Paul Heyman went, do I stick with Brock or do I go with the Big Show? And he chose the Big the Show. The Big Show. Like, so you've already got that ready built drama that hasn't really been utilised in like 17 years, but we have that background drama. I think what we have seen tonight is definitive proof that we did, mainly if we all didn't have it, is that Brock Lesnar as a businessman is, is incredibly caged and incredibly smart because he knows his value. He knows I'm too big to come back and work a show in a pandemic where there's no fans. Absolutely not going to happen. CM Puck said the same thing in the media call after Rampage where he said, I'm not going to come back when there's no crowd. These these echelon, top echelon, higher echelon stars know their worth. Brock Lesnar's been out of this business, out of the public eye, apart from the odd online photo for 18 months, where he's not been seen, he's not been talked about, apart from the odd name drop. So he knows, right, okay, the fans are back. We're back in the swing of things. I'm in condition, I feel good, whether it's a part-time, short, whatever the case is. He knows that he can say, Vince, I'm ready to come back. What can we work out? Mm. And tonight... I think, saw the start of maybe something new for Brock that he can really sink his teeth into. Yeah, and I think that's also the appeal for Brock, is that, you know, he doesn't he doesn't have to come back with Paul. He's got a completely different angle. He's got a new look. Maybe he finally gets to do what he's always wanted to do, which is to not do suplexes and F5s, and he gets to do a different style. Because versus Roman, he'll be able to do that. I mean... We've seen Roman versus Brock so many times. Like, I remember watching like WrestleManias with you and Chris Coleman, and like coming back and like, I can't remember which WrestleMania it was where it ended with like Roman bleeding and Brock still winning. All their matches kind of mixed into one at this point for me, so yeah. I find it hard to distinguish. And I sometimes. remember like reading comments and being like, you know, people on the internet were like, Roman could cure cancer and people still have an issue, which is like true but fair like the thing that I was, the thing is is like it's a very good pop it's a good return but i also think that we're overshadowing some of the other announcements we're now like 17 minutes in we haven't spoken about becky returning we haven't spoken about like any of the other matches okay so maybe we should move on to that yes quickly. so in the event that we don't do a, a second show later on today and this is it yes brock is back there's so second many doors half, that are yeah. open um, we we've got so much more we can talk about as the weeks go on, and we see what yeah. kind of stories develop. So yes, let's just go through the, the results. So on the pre-show, so the one thing I called, I will say it in advance. I said to you all, so um, I have a lot of WWE merchandise in my storage where I do not have full access to it. But I said to you and everyone else in the group, um, I cannot access it, which means that naturally Becky is going to return and win the title. Because uh, in my storage, I have like belts, I have like a Becky wig, I have like the leather jacket that I got when I worked at 2K. So I was just like, oh yeah, so I can't access any of it. So naturally, it means that Becky Lynch is going to return, she's going to win a title. And we we're like, oh, that's not going to happen. But yeah, she came back, she beat Bianca Belair, which was like, it's frustrating in the sense of like Bianca's been the one of the top three wrestlers in the WWE for like the last year. And Becky coming back, like it was the correct decision in terms of if Becky comes back, you give her the title. But I don't think you did it at some I think that you came back. I think that So the difficulty is is they had the Carmella, they had Carmella come in, had her approach Bianca. And then Becky came out. And I think the correct decision maybe would have been have the be have Bianca squash Carmella, then have Becky come out, and then maybe have a second match after that, and then maybe have it be competitive, and then maybe have Becky win. Or you set it up for a future time. But I get what they didn't, because you had Brock returning later in the evening, and you can't have women repeating the same spots as men because why would the women be equal to the men in any measure, WWE? Like when their when their new lead champion is nicknamed the man. Yeah. So and it was like the man returns to Vegas, etc. etc. So she's continuing the same gimmick, which is good. But yeah, just a very weird decision that they made in terms of I get putting the title back on Becky. But I don't get burying Bianca to the degree that they did, considering that she was carrying the women's decision 
division, sorry, for the last four months, especially considering that Sasha is in that weird, like, anti-vax movement where she was just like, I'm going to believe some random dude from Florida instead of believing every scientist in the world when they say that vaccines are good. But I'm going to believe this one random man from Florida who says they're bad because... He has a gut feeling that like Microsoft are gonna like make us all install Windows ninety five. Like, so yeah, I, I'm with you on. If you're gonna bring Becky back, you have to put the belt on her. Fine. Um, now, if they'd have played it that she stunned Bianca with a devastating move or something else and caught her off guard, and it was almost like a lucky fluke. Okay, we can maybe buy that. Or if she had a competitive match with Car- with Carmella enough that she was not a hundred percent, and Becky came out, and as Becky is obviously. The best level. decision would have been that, like, yeah, like you say, they had a competitive match and then Becky came out after, demanded another match, and then they did that. It was a very weird decision to have Carmella come out, threaten to do the match, and then Becky come out, beat up Carmella, and then complete, like, do the new move that was the pump handle slam. No, it was the rock bottom, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the manhandle slam. Manhandle slam. Which. Sorry, excuse me. Which I will give them. That's a great name for the move. But what a weird time to just like... It makes sense though in the terms of like... Becky didn't really have another finishing move apart from the disarm her. For that finish with the, the, the handshake, the cheap shot and then hitting the finish. It had to be an impact finish. It couldn't be a submission. It had to be a... A strike, hit the finisher. There's the one, two, three. So it needed a new move. It needed something low and high impact. And the rock bottom, as as it is or as it was known, is always associated with a, a winning move. If the rock bottom is hit nine times out of ten, it is a winning move. So giving it to Becky does make sense. I just think that it, we could have got to how we got a different way that was fair, that was better. For Bianca, and obviously they always say let it play out, see where it goes, and that's true. Come next Friday, or this coming Friday on SmackDown, we're going to see where it goes and how it carries on, things like that. But on the immediate thoughts that we have now, Becky coming back, great. Being built back on it had to be what it did to Bianca. That needed work. Yeah, when she's the EST, and like, I remember after Money in the Bank, I said to you, Bianca is one of the top three performers in WWE right now. And they just did her dirty. And that's all I can really think about. Is that... You have one of the best performers... In the history of your company. And like... Becky is also one of the best performers in the history of your company. But... You could have done more. Like... Maybe even... Just have Becky come out... And interrupt the match between you and Carmella... And have a post-match brawl. Like you don't need to give Becky the title immediately, and that's that's kind of where it rubs rubs wrong with me, is that you don't have to make Bianca feel like a placeholder for Becky coming back, and Becky immediately coming back and winning it. It just kind of feels like there's no tension because, like, when Becky was the Raw Women's Champion for all that time. The only time she conceded it was when it turned out she was pregnant. So she held it for like 30 months. About that. So how was she going to lose it on SmackDown? Because she's just come back. She's won it in a squash. So are you going to have like another 12, 13 month reign where nobody touches her for that entire time? I think the, the, the way to go, and I said this when we were watching the show live, is have Becky come out. Get with Carmella and make the challenge for a match now and then, and Beck and Bianca to set her up as a heel for the the match coming up as Becky is now the face again, the lead face is for Bianca to go. No, we'll do this on my terms, and she walks out. Crowd boo. Becky's back. It sets up a match and it gives them five weeks build for Extreme Rules um, at the end of September. That's that for me oh, is God, a is Extreme Rules. Next. It's a sensible bit. It gives them time to build a story, and because remember these two have never fought before. This is a this yeah. is a fresh match, so it gives five weeks to hype a fresh, match, a fresh do, never Becky before never match. really lost the title. She exactly. It. And Bianca's has fought off all comers since she beat Sasha at Mania in a historic main event of Night One WrestleMania. 
Um, so yeah, so that's that was the the, the Sasha match that never took place for, for, for reasons. Carmella come out, Becky come out. We have the big return. She wins with with the rock bottom or the, the manhandle slam, and we see where it goes from here. Um, in other matches in the pre-show, Big E took on Baron Corbin. Uh, continued telling the story, which I think is probably the best I've ever done with Corbin since he's been in the company. I love the divorced energy that Baron Corbin radiates. There's only one other man I know who has more divorced energy, and that's Graham Linehan, from doing all of his weird, like, fucking transphobia. Sorry for the swears. But, like, Graham Linehan could have just logged off years ago, but, like, his dedication to ruining his career because he cannot admit that a transphobic joke aged badly. It's like, between that and Baron Corbin, I don't know who has the, who has the bigger downfall and the biggest double double down. But I can tell you that Baron Corbin, like, he's kind of rocking the divorce dad look. Like, the untucked shirt, the hair growing through, like... Still got the stain on the shirt from several weeks ago on SmackDown that he yeah, hasn't washed because like, he can't afford to wash his shirt. If I met Baron Corbin in a bar, it's 50-50 whether I take him home, like, at that point. Like, I don't know if I feel bad and just be like, sit on my couch, you're fine. Let me run you a nice hot bath. I'll run you a nice hot bath. You can use my washing machine, it's fine. Like, you don't have to pay me back, but like... I've got a lasagna in the oven. <sighs> oh, if only I had enough money to make a lasagna for Baron Corbin. But, um, yeah, like, that match was, like, oddly fun. Like... Biggie, it was obviously going to win in the squash, but like Baron Corbin just has like a really nice divorce dad energy. It feels like I don't know if he's going to come to me like she turned the wins against us, or if he's going to be like, oh yeah, you know, I really want to go to like Quasar Laser. Do you want to come paintball with me? Like he's fifty fifty on either of those, and I'm into both. I like, think the thing is, for the first time in a long time, we're actually interested in where Baron Corbin's going and. And we're interested in his journey to his ultimate destination, and that's yeah. a new thing for Corbin, largely in his in his main roster career. Um, Big E got his, brief, his briefcase back, money in the bank briefcase. Obviously, we spoke a little while ago about where Big E goes from here, what show he, he focuses on regarding the championship, whether this feud will continue in some form or fashion to keep Big E busy at the moment. It feels like he's going to roar. Like you can't have the Roman story with Brock Lesnar and Big E in the background. It doesn't work. I don't think Big E, with all due respect to him, Big E doesn't fit in with those two at this point. They are megastars. Big E's not there yet. But I also feel like the Brock Lesnar story will be done by Survivor Series. And obviously, it's a year-long contract. They haven't run a contract long in a while. Like after Seth, what was the longest contract? All Actually, just saying that, like obviously the Miz in like February and March, but like... He did sell up for Votis, but like, it's been a while since we had a contract run long. But yeah, can you got Big E for some time? Part of a storyline. Like, um, yeah. Uh, other than that, I mean, I really want to see Big E do well. I really want to see, I mean, obviously, I want to see everyone do well, but I'm trying to think of like other good matches tonight. Um, I enjoyed the opener, the Raw Tag Team Championships, RK Bro and AJ Nomos. Um, obviously it, Omos was very limited in what he did but AJ carried the load as he always does oh he was always limited it just feels like they were just trying to desperately get that title off of Omos because they were like oh we get, we've got a giant man and then they went oh he can't wrestle worth a dang oh well we can keep on him a few months and then it was just like Randy Orton's come back and he looks like if we don't give him the title he's going to go and do a Princess Bride reboot like just the amount of just like what was Randy Orton's look tonight? He looks like my dad after a divorce. Like it's it's a look. It's a look that he's cultivated over the last six weeks that he's been away. He looks and... like the lead singer of Lost Prophets got out of prison. Is back on a prowl. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> Alexa Bliss up next against Eva Marie. Eva's this is actually Eva's first proper singles match since she returned to the company. You know what? I may have been very drunk, but it was not that awful a match until the end where she botched the roll up. Like, yeah, in in as, in as, in as much as she botched being rolled over onto her back yeah. by Alexa. But even then, that wasn't entirely a botch. That was more a like, if you're rusty, like it wasn't the Cameron count it ref. 
it was just it was a move that didn't quite pull off the way it was meant to be pulled off. But Eve Marie was not terrible. I don't think that's because Miss Bliss. Sorry, I'm trying not to, you know. Yeah. Um, Set off the smart home device. Yes. Um, I don't know if it's just because Bliss is actually able to carry people now, or because Eva's been practicing. But regardless, it was one of my highlights of the night. I'll be honest with you. I did notice very interestingly, and it was quite clear. This is the first time in a long time where they've had no real supernatural elements to Miss Bliss's act, apart from Lily being there, and she was put in the in the corner at the very end. There was no. There was nothing fiend-like as we've seen from her in the last few months. It was it was almost like it was just back to normal. There wasn't a crazy makeup. There wasn't costume changes. It was just that was her. It was Alexa Bliss, and that she happened to have a doll with her. And I wonder if they're now with the fiend obviously being released recently, and the online backlash towards Miss Bliss for some people think they she took his gimmick and he loses his job. I mean, objectively, kind of pulling, yeah, it's 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 rubbish, of course, but. She's only doing this for what she's supposed to do, but they seem to wonder if they're pulling back from that now and she'll just revert almost back to the character she almost was before. Like, it's a shame that Charlotte won the title from Nikki A.S.H. because it felt like the story that was building up was between Miss Bliss, again, we try not to set up your, your smart device, but the story between Miss Bliss and Nikki, considering their history, that would have felt like the smart story. Uh, you mentioned it, so let's go to that one. Um, triple threat for the Raw Women's Championship. Uh, Nikki A.S.H. defending against Rhea Ripley and Charlotte. This match went long. It was always going to be a transis- transitionary like championship, but it still smarts that it was. Like but The fact that it didn't go back to Rhea, which f- f- seems to me like would have been the better game plan than going for another Charlotte I title. D- I just feel like if you're, t- if you're telling the same story for four months, like... The fact that Nikki felt like a roadblock in the four-month story you were telling, like, go back to a drawing board. Like, please. Like, Charlotte is phenomenal. She's one of the best athletes the sport has ever seen. Rhea, you can say the same. She just doesn't have her character quite figured out on the main roster. Nikki, phenomenal. But the fact that you have, like, three five out of five performers... And they cannot produce more than a three out of five match. There is a worry there. As as well, it, it we said this going watching live is that this feels like we're now just going to next month will be another Charlotte versus Rhea singles match, which we've had now twice. I, I literally and want to die at the thought of that. Is that going to be another Rhea win because she's now going to get the belt? And we're, we're back to how it used to be years ago when Becky and Sasha or Charlotte and Sha- uh, Charlotte and Sasha would switch belts every month. It's like, okay, with Charlotte's turn. Okay, now it goes into Nikki in, in a transition switch. Okay, it goes back to Charlotte, and it goes to Raya, and it goes to Charlotte. And it's going like, to go back to Raya, and then it's going to go back to Charlotte, and it like at it, some point we just like give up on. Life. And Raw like, has no Alexa's other top win, with like. Asuka out of out of the booking plans and nowhere to be seen for the last month or so. I don't know anyone else that's there that can be inserted into that pitch that hasn't already been ruined in some form or fashion. I feel like they're going to move her to SmackDown. Asuka's done all she can on Raw. They're going to move to SmackDown soon. Okay, another championship was on the line that switched hands was the United States Championship. Sheamus uh, losing to Damian Priest. Uh, watching live, we had very little time that and enthusiasm for this. I, well, I, I was expecting Priest to win. It felt like it was his coronation. The problem is, I don't think he did anything to stand out on the stage in this. He, there was nothing. What has he done since Big Bunny, Bad Bunny? So he left. Absolutely and he Left Miz to be eaten by zombies. Uh, Nothing. It just kind of felt like a coronation for the sake of coronation. He was gone for some time. It, and... it, yeah, it felt like Seamus was there. I love Seamus the bits, but like it felt like Seamus had the title for like four months just for like, thank you for being with the company so long. Here's your four month title reign. And then as soon as they went, oh, we have to give him like an actual defense against someone who's like not hum- who's not Mexican. They gave it to Damien Priest, like you know, because like they had Ricochet, they had. Humberto and they went we can't give it to one of them but we'll give it to like Damien Priest he appears to be one of their okay this guy could be something for us down the line but in this match and really since he's come to the main roster he's not shown me anything that would show him standing out from the rest of the pack 
like nothing makes him unique that it's like i would put him above you know a riddle in regarding the top line place or any of those sort of mid-card guys pushing up it it just he seems like a lot of big guys who have some tattoos and have a bit of a look to them and they've got some agility and some ability but nothing that would make me go that guy's a future WWE champion for the thing is damien is phenomenal but they just do like i'm not saying they don't know how to handle him but like damien has been phenomenal since he moved up to the main roster and like i'm glad that he's getting his title reign but it feels like what they're doing with everyone who they move up from the next year where they go here is your obligatory title reign you'll get it for two months and then we do not know what to do with you it happened with ricochet two years ago like i i could list examples but like i can't think of any it, it just feels like priest is dropping that belt back to sheamus within the next two months or moving it on to someone else and then he'll go back into mid-card purgatory i feel like sheamus doesn't beat him but he loses it to someone else in two months like they'll reinstate bronson reed or they'll give it to like keith lee because what's keith lee doing uh dark matches yeah exactly they'll give it to keith lee in like two months Okay, SmackDown Tag Team Championships up next. The Usos defend against Ray and Dominic. We saw this a month ago on the pre-show from the Bank, and tonight it just felt like we the saw the, the same match. match. Was it was. This didn't. This didn't. This ended the feud for me. There's no reason to carry it on. They've now lost two times in a row. The Mysterios. They've lost the belts. They've lost the chance that they're in their rematch. And I don't. I don't see any Usos need to have that belts. If the belts are going to be in with Roman as the Bloodline and the champions, so they need to have those belts. I would assume the Street Profits are up next for them. They've been getting built up on TV recently. But this match was just... It was a match. It wasn't as good as last month's. And let's move on. It it's, had it's, a feel it's to it. It's one of those difficult things of like... Money in the Bank, like I said to you, is probably the best show they've done, they've done all year. Uh, I love the spot where like... You know, one of them took the bullet for the other Russo during the 619. But this match was kind of like nothing. Like... We spent more time explaining the history of Dominic Mysterio to one of your friend's daughters than we did actually watching the match okay so moving on next up Drew versus Drew McIntyre versus Jinder Mahal uh, I it, it was did a match people in wrestling yeah match was okay um, it was so quick it was quick it was more decisive than I thought it would be I expected Jinder to either win or for it to be uh, a schmozen or DQ and just give another so reason to build some extreme rules the difficulty rules. was is that they announced beforehand that like Jinder's entourage were banned from ringside, which was uh, a great deal more than he ever did during his actual title reign. Yes. So as soon as that was announced, I was like, oh, okay, well, Jew's winning decisively. But, like, it kind of feels like a shame that, like, Jinder wasn't more competitive considering that he was a world champion and, like, Drew was a world champion. So, yeah, it's a bit of a tough one. Drew's still spinning his wheels because, as we know in the storyline, he can't challenge Lashley while Lashley is champion. So yep. Drew right now is just kind of stuck here facing guys that he's probably going to win until we get the belt off Lashley and then Drew can re-enter the title picture again. That just seems to be Drew's place right now. Jinder didn't seem like there's any way, real way they can continue this story short of a, a, another attack on Raw on Monday and that leads Drew to want to face some extreme rules in five weeks yeah right one of the most anticipated matches of the night now Edge versus Seth Rollins I expected a lot from this to quote a podcast it's Egg did you what did you expect of this match going in I thought it was going to be the match of the night considering that I've said to you in the past I I've never rated Edge highly considering that like when I watched wrestling Edge was never a champion like when I started watching like 2005, Edge was like, at most, he was the guy who got Kurt Angle to go bald. Um, I did expect the match of the night. I was very disappointed. Um, Seth is one of the best wrestlers in the world. I will say that hands down. He's untouchable. I think Edge is very good, but like, I cannot really tell you what the story was or where it went other than like Edge won. Because he had to win because he's the veteran. The ending saw Edge uh, with a submission or what looked like a choke and Rollins tapped. Uh, it doesn't seem to leave anything open for a return. Yeah. And the story that was telling tales that they're trying to tell us that Seth was going to 
uh, try and break Edge's neck or re-break Edge's neck and obviously going back to 2014 now this match is over it doesn't feel like there's a continuation there so I'm not sure Edge can go away again before his next big you know big booking probably I'm guessing Savasi with the Rumble I'm not sure where Seth goes from here Roman's busy Brock's back he's busy you could do Seth versus Big E to prepare Big E for that next level but there's nothing on there's no there's no stake there really it's the difficulty of booking a champion for the long term is that like you had the Cena match so you had Seth beating Seth beating up Edge so that he was next in line for the Roman match and then Cena came in and interrupted that and then you could have easily had the story of Seth beats Edge and it interrupts the Cena match going I'm still next in line I want to be next in line but they didn't do that Roman beat Cena clearly and then Brock showed up so the fact that you then had Brock show up where does Edge go where does Seth go Seth going, I'm next in line for the title no matter who's in my way and losing to Edge so he's now like third in line behind Brock, behind Edge and Balor even and Balor, like who didn't lose his title shot he was essentially stolen away from him when Cena took the contract Yeah. so I don't know where Seth goes It's gonna, I feel like there's going to be a lot of work done this coming Friday on Smackdown to, to kind of put some pieces in place unless they do like a fatal five way or a five pack or whatever they call it. The it's a way, way to continue things and Roman can inevitably retain and then they can then get to Total the... Total four way Cena's gone. Like, yes, of course. About it, but like... um, have we all talked about... Les... Did we talk about Lashley and Goldberg already? Have we done that? You know what? I feel like even if we did, that, okay. like, it just it doesn't matter. My <laughs> biggest issue with this, uh, it was what the match was longer than I thought it would be. My issue was, is given the post-match angle with obviously the chair beat down and the... Uh, the full Nelson lock to to Goldberg's son. Lashley still didn't gain what he needed most, which was to to actually beat Goldberg. It was a ref stoppage. I don't know if it's the case of Bill saying, well, this is what he's doing to me after, I don't need to lose. But I just think if you're going to bring Bill in for this, Lashley is your champion. Lashley's going to be there week after week. Goldberg will not be there week after week. I probably won't be there now to a crown jewel, I assume. Lashley really could have done with the one, two, three here. Yeah, it's... A difficult position that they put Lashley in in terms of they gave him full reign with the belt, they put him clean over well, they put him semi clean over Drew, but like for the last four months it's not been super clean but like they clearly want Bobby in for the long haul so I don't 100% know what they're doing with it like, like he crushed Kofi, he crushed Woods at the second time of asking he's beaten Drew several times semi clean semi clean and he's looked dominant. They've given him the big entrance. They've given him everything. And, and I saw an interview of Lashley the other day where he said, like, you know, me and Vince are tight and he, I've got Vince's number. I can phone him any time and he always gives me a big hug when I see him. He wants me to do well. But then the Goldberg, that finish we saw with Goldberg tonight, you're like, the ref stoppage? Like, after a couple of chop blocks? Like, we've seen match continue after more but than that. But is that not more definitive than the pin? If you've, like... Taken down the You've legend, incapacitated the, to the point where the referee has to stop the match. Maybe it is. Yeah. Maybe in, in I feel in like that's what they were going for. We've yes. misinterpreted it. Okay. So, and that's the case. Then I'll maybe I'll withhold or withdraw my my criticism, depending on how they book Lashley on Raw Monday night. Yeah. And again, it's one of those. Let's play it out and see where it goes. I think. Okay. Main event. Big dog, tribal chief, head of the table, Roman Reigns against the sixteen-time world champion, chasing that record-breaking seventeenth world championship. John match Cena. of the night. It is match of the night. I think, I know we discussed this a couple of times during the match live. I preferred this to their No Mercy match a few years ago, purely because this was a different Roman Reigns. This was a confident Roman who gets his character. Back then, it was a Roman who was trying and he, he's, he was being obstacled and blocked by the creative forces who were trying to get him over to the point where he wasn't connecting. And I feel like I may have said the opposite, and I don't know if I'm saying it now to be obstinate or not, but like, I feel like the No, Mer- the no Mercy match was slightly better in terms of. I think it was just because, like, so for full clarity, I stopped paying attention to wrestling for a full month after Money in the Bank. I took time off. So I don't know if it was that 
I preferred No Mercy because of the build and the way that the match went. Or whether, like, this is still the match of the night. Like, John Cena came back, he felt like he'd never missed the beat. He did look good. I know he's been working some dark matches, and you can tell that ring rust that he was, he must have had after 18 yeah. months away has gone. But, like, it was, it was a phenomenal match. It was really good. Like, I think it's just that, like, when you compare it to, like, the AJ match that he had a few years ago at SummerSlam, where, like, he did the Avalanche EA and AJ kicked out and he was like what do I do I can't put this man away and then like four years later he's like I've done the Avalanche AA I've done all I can do against Roman like I think as well this is the first time in a long time that Cena's had this kind of match with this kind of opponent so Roman unlike any other character in the last I'd say as far as 10 years in WWE has total control of his character this isn't one of these like I'm going to do that doesn't work for me brother like Roman knows what he wants from his character Roman is being allowed to do what he wants that character and Roman and and Cena clearly have that respect where they will work together and Cena will do what he can to help Roman do what he needs to do and I think that showed in the match tonight so Cena was working in that particular style to, to accentuate Roman's strengths and what he does as that heel character now and Roman just did what Roman does I think Roman since he returned a year ago the star system's antiquated but I think Roman has been having minimum four star quality matches entire year against varied opponents he's been the MVP of the last year absolutely tonight was no exception in terms of the quality I think it was a match of the night for me uh, I think it, it was very good the, the false finishes in the in the home stretch were outstanding some of the better near falls I've seen in a long time Yeah. without it, that NXT false finish false finish false finish it was the 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 avalanche AA off the, off the top rope for example for a moment I thought was, was it I, they mm. had me with that and even the near fall from the AA through the table there was that very thing thing now Roman's going to win but is he you just had that thing where obviously mm. the Flair and we talk about Ric Flair obviously leaving the company do they want to remove him from history by having seen him break that record they put a lot into the video package and the graphics and the t-shirt so yeah it's it delivered in building up and keeping the mystery and everything and then we had the clean finish which is always appreciated and especially in a big match between two big main event top quality genuine megastars a clean finish is always a plus for me yeah yeah I, I, I really can't build on more from what you said than that like it was pro- it was definitely the match of the night like I thought it was going to be Edge versus Seth but it was Roman versus Cena but my initial gut reaction, immediately post show, kind of one of the most disappointing shows of the year. Like Royal Rumble was really good. WrestleMania was like really good. Money in the Bank was clearly the show of the year so far. SummerSlam kind of feels like where Money in the Bank was like we've got the audience back. We can do all the spots we've been saving for eighteen months. SummerSlam kind of felt like ah uh, well. We kind of use all those spots in money in money in the bank. Let's just go back to what we were doing before, and like, I get it, but so to caveat, like during WrestleMania, so the the story goes back as far as Royal Rumble, where we had that bet on like, so we had like a sweepstakes on who would win during the Royal Rumble. I changed my vote the last minute for the Nia and um, the tag match, basically. Mm-hmm. The women's tag match. Changed my vote the last minute and I lost. We went to WrestleMania. We had a second seat sweepstakes. And I went, if Edge doesn't win 10 years after winning, after retiring the belt because he had injuries, I'll watch AEW out of spite. I then watched AEW until Money in the Bank. Which was a slog, not least because they moved money in the bank another month after when they were, when it was meant to be on. I am very tired of wrestling, and not in like a horrible way, but in a like. When I watched it in my youth, I watched it from like two thousand to like two thousand five. I started watching it from two thousand fifteen to now, so like that's like a six year stretch where I've been like really deeply into it. And I feel like watching SummerSlam was kind of like... I didn't go in going, this is the peak, I'm going to stop watching for a while. But after how good Money in the Bank was versus how good SummerSlam was, I feel like if I take time off from now until Royal Rumble, 
I don't think my soul will be at unease. We we all spoke about this during during watching it live here. Uh, whether it's the staleness of the product, whether it's we're we're past that point now where being up till four or five o'clock in the morning watching wrestling and feeding that slog. We've experienced those seven-hour WrestleManias, whether it be in a house, whether it be in a bar. We've experienced that long, like being, you know, traveling home at six a.m. thinking, "My God, that was a seven-hour show. We're never going to you know, be able to watch again, and time we're never going to get back." And yeah, it's a com- a combination of things, and a combination of things where you think maybe it's time it is to take a step back and, and completely detach yourself from wrestling, and this might be that time where you think, you know what? We've seen fans come back. We've had a great Monday Bank pay-per-view. We've had a show tonight which has delivered in some aspects, like the surprises, like Becky, the huge surprise, like Brock at the end. Is it time to take a step back and revisit it in three months' time for Rumble? Do we give it another... Uh, now that Brock is back and that wild card element might be back in play where you don't know what's going to happen anymore, do you give it another month and see where they go with it? Do you think, right, okay, well, Raw consistently isn't a very good show. It's, it's an absolute slog to watch the three-hour weekly product. SmackDown is... Again, consistently a better show of the two. I mean, third than NXT, maybe more so with the changes that are coming on that brand. Uh, so maybe regarding that, now Brock is back and you've got the BE story, and, and obviously Roman is now maybe going to think, oh, my old nemesis Brock Lesnar, who usually beats me, and the Seth and the Edge, give that show a bit more and give it another chance. That's something we're going to have to evaluate, you know, going forward. All we can say is we're here to give immediate thoughts to SummerSlam. Good in some places, bad in others felt like a general slog the surprises delivered we got a great main event that delivered what it was built up to do and this has been about 50 minutes of our immediate post SummerSlam thoughts at now 6 21 um in the morning uh, on sunday uh so it's yeah way longer than anyone should ever hear my thoughts on anything <laughs> so uh, whether it be see you later or thank you for listening we're back at some point in the future ed thank you for for making your long-awaited return we tried a couple of years ago and then the audio well, we failed on us yes the audio just didn't so record. we finally got you back on the show for a SummerSlam uh, I, review I feel like all my thoughts on last year's SummerSlam were like incredibly profound like <laughs> philosophers like Camus and like Camp would have just gone that man he knew things about wrestling I could have become the preeminent philosopher on wrestling of our time but it's all been lost to the ether so I could have just been making this up just to make a point about how everything's lost to the wind uh, if you have any thoughts, feelings, or opinions on SummerSlam, you can get us in normal ways on Facebook at Ring the Bell Show, on Twitter and Instagram at Ring the Bell Pod, and the email address of Ring the Bell Pod at gmail.com. You can also leave us a five star rating and a review if you feel that we have earned it today from you over at Apple Podcasts. And you can also uh, like and subscribe and, and all the usual sharey socially stuff um, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Tuna, Stitcher. Uh, tune in stitcher anchor all the usual things if someone does podcast you will find us there but for now we hope you enjoyed SummerSlam. we hope you had good and bad highlights low lights you can let us know what they are um thank you for listening uh, this has been ring the bell i've been andrew i've been ed for some reason i've been ed for some reason they let me on this podcast why why did you let me on <laughs> ring that bell oh yeah i was supposed to say that Thank you.